We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a game. Jason Tatum going off for 51 points, 13 rebounds and 5 assists. My name's Adam Taylor. I'm joined by Greg Manakis. We're two-thirds of the Green with Envy podcast. And we're here to t- bring you through all of that emotional roller coaster we went through from the close fought first half all the way through to Jason Tatum going absolutely supernova in the third. Greg, how you feeling, man? Because I'm pumped. Dude, I'm so pumped right now. After game six, right, one of the things that I said, we were talking about the legacies of James Harden and Jason Tatum, and I said at the end of game six, I was just hoping and praying that the Celtics would get to a game seven because I didn't want game six to be the taste in everyone's mouth about who Jason Tatum is as a player because this is the guy that we all know Jason Tatum can be, dropping 51 points, an NBA record for a game seven. Steph Curry had that record for about two weeks and Jason Tatum said, hey, hold my beer, let's go. Right, Jason Tatum was unbelievable tonight. Our guy, Will, who's the uh, third member of Green with Envy, unable to be here with us because he was in the garden and I cannot wait to get him on the pod to talk about what it was like in there because it felt like the crowd really responded to Jalen Brown's comments after game six. Yeah, this was definitely the first game where it felt like you could feel the atmosphere through the TV screen, right? Like, you know, it's loud. And if you've ever been into the TD garden, you've heard how loud it is. But this game, it was like resonating through. You could feel the atmosphere. You was getting pumped with the everyone in the crowd. Tatum did a great job of kind of keeping momentum throughout the game. Um, started to get attacked the rim early. They started to feature him more on offense. And then obviously he started to go to that mid post in the third and start to work from there. But it wasn't just Tatum, right? I mean, first of all, I just want to get into Marcus Smart's early performance. The first three or four minutes of the game, I kind of had some concerns. It felt like Smart was starting off with one of those Marcus Smart games, you know? He had that turnover, Mm -hmm. then he went under a screen when he was guarding um, Harden, and like I just don't know why you'd go under on Harden. Um, and then didn't really switch properly and ended up guarding Embiid on the perimeter. Then he had another turnover, but then throughout the game, he kind of started to control the pace. His defense was great, excellent hands in the passing lanes. Marcus Smart had a big hand in the early part of the game, and just as it went on, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, between them was what, 
just, so they ended with three turnovers between them, but for a long time, it was like, yo, they've got one turnover between them. That's when you know they're playing well, they're clicking. Um, man, I'm just pumped, dude. They absolutely <laughs> toyed with the Sixers from start to finish, man. 76 points, 19 rebounds, and seven assists four steals, two blocks between the Jays. Like we always talk about those 30-30 games with the Jays, right? We're pretty much undefeated when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown each scored 30 points. We haven't had too many of the 50-25 games between the two of them, but man, when these guys are playing like this, and then when you juxtapose that with what the Sixers two, big two did, right? I, I don't even think James Harden got to double figures in this game. Joel Embiid didn't even get to 20 points. I think he had 15 and Harden had like eight. So Jalen, who, who was the worst, quote-unquote worse of the two Jays, right? He outscored Harden and Embiid by himself. And then when you add what Tatum did, I mean, who was the best sixer on the court tonight? Was it P.J. Tucker? Yeah, P.J. Tucker. I think Tobias Harris really put it all out on the line as well. Tobias Harris was playing well. He was running transition. But look, man, if you look at this final scoreline for the last two games, the double big lineup and the defensive versatility they bring, the robustness in that unit, it shows in the scoreline, we're starting to see the Celtics shut teams down the way they were under Udoka. And then if you look at the offense as well, like I tweeted this out, that the Celtics had one play which ended in a lob for Rob, and it was an Udoka play. You know, it was an elbow zoom action on, on the um, left-hand side of the floor to get Rob that uh, lob. And for me, it's kind of like Joe Mazzula went too far away from what made them successful, and now he's kind of come back and found a happy medium. And then they start shutting guys down. They shut Embiid down with a great defensive performance from Al. Again, hands in the passing lane, swiping down to get to poke the ball loose as guys are going into their shooting motion. And it was overall, man, it was just a really good kind of middle ground between the offense that Joe wants to run and the defense that he may put in, in place. So I'm loving it, man. I'm loving everything they did. Yeah, smoking that Philly pack. I'm looking at all of these comments in the in the chat, man. It's just great to see how pumped everybody is from Celtics Nation. I do see some Miami Heat fans trolling in the comments already. We will get to talking about the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics running it back again in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, we'll see. This is the this is the rubber match between those two teams. So we'll get there. Um, but man. Continuing to talk about Game 7 because I don't want to move towards the next series yet. I want to revel in the glory and everything with that Jason Tatum brought to the city, saying this is my city, uh, pulling out a David Ortiz line there. This was one of the all-time greatest Celtics playoff performances in the, this franchise that has seen playoff performances that you know no, no other franchises can really uh, rival what we do here in Boston. And to see Jason Tatum have his moment after struggling so much in this series, it was just so great to see a, a, a great guy on Mother's Day with his mom uh, front row in the crowd, uh, just giving her the perfect Mother's Day gift. Yeah, I just saw Will, um, the third member of that podcast, Will Weir, in the chat a moment ago saying, let's go. So Will's here in spirit. He's definitely watching Gun. Shamrock to Still City from Instagram from when we were doing our pregame IG Lives just jumped on saying here from the pregame IG Live, let's go Alvarado and Bogut. That's the comparisons that everybody keeps putting out. <laughs> Greg's Alvarado, apparently I'm Andrew Bogut. But yeah, I mean, look, man, when you look at what Tatum was doing, what really got me was, and we spoke about this on a about a week ago, right, was putting guys in positions where they're comfortable, not asking them to do too much outside of what they're proper, like they're not asking them to go beyond their comfortability, comfortability factor early. Asking for Tatum, it's putting him in that mid post, asking him to get to work there, 
asking him to be a bit coming off flare screens, shooting off the catches, a much better catch and shoot finisher than he is off the dribble. And then you ask him to expand his game, which we got. We got that patented sidestep three in the third, where he, I think Maxi was closing out on him. He took that one step to the side, finished there. We got the spin offs, we got the footwork. And then with his assists as well, it was paint touches. It was good, smart movement. He was reading the game really well. Defensively, I thought he was great. Um, that block should have stood. I think you've already mentioned that, but I want to put that out there again. And if we're talking about things that should have happened or shouldn't have happened, Jenna Brown shouldn't have got that tech. You know? Oh, someone yeah, let's talk his, about that. Someone what grabs a weird his leg moment from in that the bench, game. dude. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that... Someone grabs his leg? Yeah, that was George Niang, who's actually a Massachusetts guy. So it was um, weird to see him turn heel in this series. But, you know, that second quarter, let's go back a little bit into this game because early on in the game, it really felt like Philly had control. They were getting to all the loose balls. Scott Foster was doing weird Scott Foster things where it seemed like he was, um, he, he saw the report that uh, I think Woj uh, tweeted out that the NBA found that the, in game six, the Celtics got the favorable whistle. And then everything turned when James Harden got the flagrant foul flailing into Jalen Brown's face. He bloodied up Jalen's nose. We go on a seven nothing run right after that. And then the George Niang things happened. And the Celtics from that point forward, the garden was there, but it, it uh, the team hadn't quite lived up to what the energy in the in the crowd was, right? What the energy in the building was. And then from that moment, once Jalen Brown got bloodied, I was like, ooh, let's write this down. I don't have many notes from tonight's game, but that was one of the notes that I wrote down. It's like, this could be a turning a turning point in this game when Jalen Brown took that elbow from Harden. And then in the when we get to the second half, that's when Jason Tatum goes God mode, right? James Harden fizzles out like James Harden does. He's probably done in Philly. We can get there in a second. Joel Embiid didn't know what to do with the Celtics defense, all boxes and elbows and old man Al Horford just giving it to him. Um, and then, you know, in, in that second half, there was that moment, right? Tatum starts to go God mode. And then I, I think I texted you. I forget who I texted, but I was like, if we put together a three minute stretch here, it felt like we can really open the game up. And then we went on like a 21 to four run and the game was over. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I mean, talking about text before we carry on with this analysis, there was no bad text in our group chat. This The last time we came live on Bleacher Report, we were like, the, the messages from that um, group chat cannot go live. Like, I'd happily share all of the ones from today because they were so Dude, wholesome. put them in a museum. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, when you look at like, okay, so you get the crowd involved, you get the Celtics kind of start to retaliate a little bit. And that's kind of probably where Philly were trying to come from, right? Like there's been a lot of narratives surrounding Boston. And when you get physical, they start to shrink. And it went the other way today. They got physical. Jalen gets bloodied. The crowd get behind Boston. They start to get invigorated. They don't really run too many set actions throughout the game, but they run a lot of concepts and they just float into every concept possible. When Embiid's playing high, they're running handoff actions. When he's playing lower, they're running screening actions, a few stack options. So it's just been overall a good, well-coached two-game stretch from Joe Mazzula. He's put them in position to win. Adding Rob back in there has been great. So we've got two chats here. We've got Celtics Grizz. I love the team defense these last two games. And I think, I'm sorry if I butchered this, Dolms walk a crazy old-school ball second quarter with some questionable calls from the ref. That's Scott Foster, right? I mean, did you come into the game expecting not to have questionable calls with Scott Foster calling the game? Because I was <laughs> expecting it to be frustrating. I don't know about you. Those, I mean, dude, some of the calls in the in the first half were silly. Even the the block that Tatum had that was taken away, it was, they, they said it was on the way down. Like, how often do you see a layup before it gets to the glass get called on the way down? Like, I feel like that's an unwritten rule in basketball. It's like, if it's going to the glass, everybody has an opportunity to get it going to the glass. Um, yeah, but... Dude, in this game, like Scott Foster, there was that one play in the first half where it was a backcourt violation off of a deflection and and they ruled, like Scott Foster overruled that other official saying that his momentum took him in the backcourt. There's just like all those little things that were happening. P.J. Tucker was having a moment. I think he had 11 points in the first quarter and it really felt like everything was going against the Celtics. But man, they pulled it out. And that means, Adam, we are ready for the rematch with Jimmy Buckets, Bam Adebayo, an old friend, Max Struess. Are you ready for Celtics Heat round three? Yeah, I mean, we're going from one old team to another old team, and I'm just hoping it's not a similar kind of outcome where we're sitting here after game seven, like thinking to ourselves, man, we shouldn't have even been in a game seven. But yeah, I'm ready. I, I think the Heat are going to be a really tough opponent. They they handled the Knicks quite easily. The Knicks gave Boston trouble throughout the regular season. Not saying they'd give Boston trouble in the playoffs when you can adjust game to game, but Jimmy Butler's going to be a handful. He's going to feel like he's got something to to prove after the missing that final shot in game um, last season in the conference finals. 
I'm thinking this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be physical. It's going to, people are going to get bloodied. And that's why I felt so good seeing Jalen and the rest of the Celtics kind of rally round after that contact from Harden, because they're going to be going up against that type of defense possession in possession out against Miami. You talk to any Nick fan from the last few days and all they had to say was how many illegal screens Bannon and Bio sets and how many times. <laughs> oh, I know that. <laughs> I know like all about the BAM. <laughs> the BAM illegal screens. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something to, uh, to to write to the refs about. Maybe what the Celtics can do because we have an opening on the coaching staff. We can hire Doc Rivers as a consultant so that he can just go into press conferences and talk about all the stuff that BAM Adebayo is doing illegally because that's all Doc Rivers did in this previous series was just bitch and moan talking about how the, you know, the, the Sixers weren't getting a favorable whistle. But we're on to Miami, man. And with Jimmy Butler, dude, you know, when you think about the heat, you think about two guys. You think about Bam Adebayo, perennial defensive player of the year candidate, candidate, and you think about Jimmy Butler, right? Now, like you said, Jimmy Butler has a sour taste in his mouth from last season's Eastern Conference Finals when the Heat were home. They had the home court advantage last year. Big difference this year with the Celtics having a home court advantage. You just saw how important that was. But what are you expecting out of Jimmy Butler you know, a year further into his career, going up against a Jason Tatum who's coming off of the best game of his career and Jalen Brown who's playing basketball at an all-time level. Yeah, if you'd asked me this before the start of the playoffs, I would have just been like, yeah, Jimmy's going to get smoked, right? It's just the way it looked. Now, though, seeing the way he's played, how he's willed, he's basically single-handedly willed this team to multiple wins throughout the postseason. I'm expecting him to have some big nights. I don't. It's not going to be like when you're facing James Harden. And it's a 40-point night one game and a seven-point night the next. It's going to be consistently 25, like 20, 25, 28 points a night, eight rebounds, five, six assists. He's going to be a problem. And that's okay because you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're meant to be playing teams that have somebody that can do that to you. Now, the question is, Butler can only guard one guy. I don't really, like PJ Tucker was a big loss to Miami. I don't really think they've got much depth in that big spot behind Adebayo. And I think that's going to be where the difference is between Boston and Miami, right? It's going to be in that depth chart. Boston are going to have more depth to pick from. They're going to have more options, more matchups that they can use. And that's where I see the difference is being made. I also think Adebayo will have a big game, but I don't expect... Like I'd be shocked if this game went six. If Boston played the way they played today... This game should be done in five. I, I, you, you allow for one or two Jimmy Butler games, but mm-hmm. I don't see them being able to win. Yeah, I would say if, if, we're, if we're doing predictions now, I would say, you know, I've predicted the Celtics to win the first round. I predicted them in six. I thought the Heat, I mean, the, the Hawks were going to get a couple games in that series. I know a lot of people were predicting a sweep. I predicted a five-game series against the Sixers ended up going seven just because the Celtics didn't decide to take care of business. So going up against the Heat, I agree with you that the Celtics definitely have the depth, although in you know the last couple games, we really went to six guys. We Seven, if you count Derek White playing 31 minutes over the last two games, but Derek White was kind of the odd man out in the rotation over the last two games. Um, I just think the Celtics do have the, the better roster. They have the better superstar if you're going apples to apples with Jason Tatum and uh, Jimmy Butler. And then it's Bam Adebayo going up against Al Horford and a healthy Robert Williams. That's a huge difference this year when you compare last season's Eastern Conference Finals to this upcoming matchup. Robert Williams is healthy. He's back in the starting lineup. He's not dragging his his leg around like old man Tim Duncan. Right, Robert Williams is ready to play in this series. And I think when you think back to the Bucs, 
bubble, right? When Bam Adebayo was the guy who ended up ending the Celtics uh, season when it was Daniel Tyson, Grant Williams, the two people covering him. Now it's going to be Al Horford. It's going to be Robert Williams. And we're going to force Bam and Jimmy, hopefully, to give the ball up to the Kyle Lowry's, the Gabe Vincent's, and the Max Struces of the world. We'll see if Tyler Hero is able to get back on the court. Yeah, and then obviously you already come into this knowing what type of offense Miami's going to run. You know that you need to take away those elbow actions with Bam involved because they don't have a genuine table setter at guard position. Carl Lowry was meant to be that guy for them. It hasn't really turned out that way. His age, like his game has definitely fallen off a cliff this season. I don't see him being able to set the table. So it's going to come down to Bam being that handoff hub around the elbows. If you can take that away or minimize that threat, then you're forcing Jimmy to do stuff after dribble. You're forced, And then when you look at Boston's interior defense, Jimmy can't shoot freeze. So you just kind of force him to play more on the perimeter. It's going to be a fun coaching battle. Now that's what worries me though, right? The coaching battle. Like Eric Spolstra is unequivocally, unequivocally the best coach in the NBA as far as I'm concerned. Um, John Mazzula is still proving himself as a coach. He had a really tough coaching battle with Quinn Snyder. Quinn Schneider made some adjustments that won um, Atlanta an extra game, in my opinion. Doc Rivers has just ran into seven games because of some adjustments and some mistakes that Missoula made, and now you're coming up against Spolstra. So I think that's going to be a key battle that most people will overlook, is that simple coaching battle between Spolstra and Missoula. And maybe, maybe it goes seven, but I'm going to be, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is done in six. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Yeah, I would, um, I'm going to go Celtics in, I'm going to go Celtics in seven just because of the coaching battle you just mentioned. Although last year, you know, Spo outcoached Udoka. Um, Missoula did a, did a great job adjusting the last two games of this series, which is basically going back to uh, the Udoka recipe from last year. So hopefully we are able to 
mitigate the coaching factor by just having the better players, which is what's happened over the last two series. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continuing to take their games to the next level. And I'm, I'm ready for this, man. I'm ready for the Celtics to win when go on to the, to, to the NBA Finals. And then on the other side, you got either Celtics Nuggets, which is fun because you get to see Jokic in his first finals, or you get Celtics like Lakers. And if you're into conspiracy theories, you know that's what the NBA is hoping for. Yeah, and I've, I've kind of said this earlier today. Like, I understand everybody like the NBA script, and this is what the NBA wants. But both teams have a tough fight, conference finals matchup. There's no guarantee the Lakers get through Denver. There's no guarantee that Boston gets through Miami. I mean, it's pretty clear cut that they should but there's never a guarantee, right? So I want to look at an X factor for each team. I think that would be a fun kind of... So you, for me, you mentioned Derek White's, you know, struggled for some minutes. He was the odd man out. I do think that the matchup against Tyrese Maxey just didn't suit Derek White's defense style. He struggled to stay in front of Maxey a lot of the time. Um, Maxey's quite shifty off ball as well. So it was just a handful for Derek White. Considering the way he was playing coming into the postseason and how he was playing in the first few games against Atlanta, I'm going to go with Derek White as my X Factor. I think if he can rediscover what we saw from him towards the end of the season and then early in the postseason, he's going to have a huge, huge impact on this series. Yeah, and with Derek White, you know, towards the end of the end of the season, he was playing like 38 to 40 minutes a game. Smart was down around 30. But for me, the X factor for the Celtics continues to be Marcus Smart. If Marcus Smart is playing at the level that he played uh, in this series, there's no reason why he can't be the best guard in the series, right? If you're looking at uh, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, Kyle Lowry, and maybe we see Tyler Hero on the court. Like Marcus could be the best guard in that series if he plays the way that he played whether it's impact in the box score where he's dropping 20 points a night, seven, seven rebounds, seven assists, or if he has a game, an understated box score game where he only had seven points tonight, you know, Marcus Smart playing at the level that he's playing at, that block that he had on, uh, I forget who it was, on Melton maybe at the end of the game, he's rediscovered that fire on the defensive end. And I think although he's not going to be the one to be entrusted with the Jimmy Butler matchup, I think if Marcus Smart is the best guard on the court in the next series, that's a huge X factor for the Celtics. Now, if we're talking X factors for the Miami Heat, who would you say, or what's, if it's not Spo, which I, that could be the easy answer, Spo could be the X factor here, who would you say is your X factor for the Miami Heat? Man, it's going to have to be Lowry for me because he's just not been there for them really all season long. You know, he's had injury issues. He hasn't really found the form that Miami were hoping for when they brought him over from Toronto. He, without him, they don't really have that on-ball initiator. They're looking at Tyler Hero to do it, and he's good. He's he's decent, but he's not going to be the guy that's going to break down the the free-headed monster of Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Malcolm Brogdon off the dribble consistently. So depending on what Kyle Lowry gives you on-ball as an initiator, as a playmaker, and then as an off-ball shooting threat as well, you know, we've got to remember that during his heyday with Toronto, Carl Lowry was a good catch and shoot for it. He was also good at beating you off the dribble and pulling up. So that to me is going to be one of the bigger X factors for Miami. What can you get out of Carl Lowry? Or in another way of saying it, how much more juice can you squeeze from Lowry before he calls it time? 
Well, speaking of juice, I'm going to go with Struess juice. If if Max Struess, <laughs> I don't know if that's ever been said before, but I'm going with Max Struess as the X factor for the Miami Heat because I've always been impressed with Max Struess. Okay, he's a sneaky good athlete. I think he plays better than expected defense. You know, he's got the white guy syndrome. Everyone just thinks he's not a good defender because he's white, and he's actually a, a good defender. I think that he can actually guard up. I think he guards Tatum and Brown pretty well, considering he's a little bit undersized in that matchup. And his ability, you talked about those elbow actions with Bam. I think Max Struess coming off those, you know, those elbow actions coming off of flare screens and pin downs. He's one of those guys that could really stretch the Celtics defense and give them headaches. Yeah, Kyle Lowry is always going to be there, right, as, as a guy that you're worried about. Gabe Vincent, another, another guy that I've always enjoyed uh, watching play. He's just grimy and gritty. But Max Struess is one of those guys that I think he's going to play 35 to 40 minutes a game and if he's able to get hot for a couple of games yeah maybe jimmy steals them one maybe bam gets them one is there anybody else on the team who could have a game where you're like man that was the insert player x game i think max Struess is getting to that point where people are are starting to recognize that he's a pretty good nba player but also still kind of sleeping on him a little bit so if i had to go x factor i would say uh max Struess. but one one question i have for you is from bleed green he asked the question, what do you think the starting lineup will be to start the Heat series? Do you bring back D. White or do you stay with the double big? What is your thought on that, Adam? I think moving to double big is what swung the series in Boston's favor against Philly. I don't see why you go away from that, especially against a team like Miami that just lacks depth at the big position. So throwing two bigs at them, forcing Bam into some tough um, spots, having two different types of big man that can rotate over onto Bam when he's playing on the elbow or when he's trying to attack the rim, two buddies that can box him out, one of them that's like, considerably more athletic than him, or at least marginally more athletic. I think that's probably a fair return. I'd stick with the double big lineup, at least to begin. If it doesn't work, you can always go back to Derek White in the starting lineup and try to just outscore uh, Miami. But for me, I'm definitely sticking with the double big to start this series. What about you? Another comment. Uh, oh, yeah, d- double big, no question. Another comment from the chat from Rock City 86 says, and they, not sure who they is, but they tried to clown Tatum for saying he was one of the best players in the world. The proof is in the pudding. You know what's interesting here, Adam? Quick little one minute. Who is the best player left in the playoffs not named Nikola Jokic? Man, that's tough. Well, you got to put me on the spot because it's either going to be... See, now I'm going to have... I'm I'm going with Jason Tatum, even though it's probably not factually correct. Um, I'm going with Jason Tatum. After this performance, actually, yeah, it's factually correct. He, he's Tatum. That's, we've seen the comments in the side <laughs> of the chat. Yeah, Tatum. So Jason Tatum is the most talented player left in the playoffs not named Nikola Jokic. And then we've you got another the one comment. To a Laker. For- Hold on, you can be the one to choose a Laker <laughs> since you were putting me in that position. <laughs> no, I would. I mean, I think it's Jason Tatum, no question. Anthony Davis obviously had a great series against the Warriors to to be able to take out Steph Curry with basically just being like, "Hey, Anthony Davis, we're going to funnel everything to you, and no matter what the adjustment is, they're not going to be able to solve it because of the length and versatility that you provide on the defensive end." I think Anthony Davis is the other person in that conversation. Uh, Jimmy Butler, great player. I don't think he's quite on that level, but he's proven me wrong before. He had a great first round, great second round. He is dealing with an ankle injury, something to keep an eye on. And then I think the other person would be LeBron James, right, who just had that great game, uh, closeout game against the Warriors. He can't do it 
for 48 minutes like he used to be able to do it, but he can still do it when he picks his moments. So LeBron's also in that conversation. But I'm going with uh, Jason Tatum as the second best player left in the playoffs and um, maybe the best player. Who knows? We'll see if Jokic survives the Lakers. And then we've got one more comment here uh, from GatorBate 92 g He says, we play like that. No one will beat us. And then Avicha, Avicha V26, Celtics in five. I agree, Adam. I don't think that anybody can take down this Celtics team if they're playing defense the way that they were playing and if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going God mode. Yeah, I mean, look, this team came into the season telling everybody that it was championship or bust for them. They wanted to go back to the NBA Finals and basically write the wrong of last season. They've learned from that experience. They'll be going back into it with experience in the Finals this time. It won't be fresh ground for them to cover. Regardless of who they end up playing, whether it's Denver, whether it's LA, I think the Celtics have the better roster. I think they have more diversity in terms of depth, in terms of what guys can do with the ball, multiple ball handlers, multiple decision makers. For me, that's going to be the way it has to it's going to end up. It's going to be the Celtics making it to the finals, winning it whether it's in six or seven. I don't think it's going to be an easy series when they're there. But for the Heat, I'm still sticking in six. I think that Spoil wins you a game. I think that Jimmy wins you a game. But until then, man, I'm just reveling in that Jason Tatum performance, man. He he just opened up the gates of Hades and pushed the Sixers straight through the gates. <laughs> and with that, we are going to wrap up here. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, everybody that participated in the chat. I'm Greg Manakis. He's Adam Taylor. We are two-thirds of the podcast, Green with Envy. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, shout out to our guy, Will Weir, our normal host, who is unable to be with us here today on Bleach Report because he was in the building witnessing Jason Tatum. Go God mode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and hopefully we'll be back next series. We think that they never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stick for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that's we go with the flow I can sing a different song If I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go